We are all worthy, strong, and committed, and we are ready to go beyond our own limitations. Welcome back, my friends and loved ones, to the Rebel Minded Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my co-host, Thor, of course, and I'm here as a friend, a creator, a powerlifter, and a provocateur. And we are here to learn to question the one thing that keeps us from our best, ourselves. Join me as we dive deep to question and strengthen our communication and our vulnerability, create a healthier mind to commit to our goals, and how to give more to our lovers and the world. We're going to face the uncomfortable truths of what it means to be authentically and uniquely flawed, but awesome humans. So, let's get rebel-minded. Also, I'll bring in stories of all things powerlifting, Thor shenanigans, and probably some embarrassing mishaps. Let's do this. What is up, my beautiful humans? I'm your host, Zach, leader of this Rebel-Minded podcast, and we're here to provoke and create thought and skepticism and to question the fuck out of everything. Now, the guy I brought on today is one of my up-and-coming favorite people, to be honest. We collaborate really well. I love to hear him speak. He's he's very in-depth about what he is, and he's he's a mix of, like, monk and guru and and all these things uh he you know master master male balance and uh he's he's such a great guy and the discussion we had uh covered so many so many things and i can't wait for you guys to hear all of what it was about he is a men's group facilitator and a men's coach and he's got he's a podcast host of his own and he's got over 400 episodes and the guy is just he's had some conversations and not only is he good at it he knows what he's talking about so before we get too carried away how was the week for everybody what crazy things have been happening i want to hear about the crazy things that have been happening i i'm having a little bit of a rough time with with thor uh he's he's picking up some age he's getting slow um getting my heart set for that <laughs> and uh started prep for another competition and we start a new program this next week that is i guess um built by a trainer for olympic athletes so it's going to be also very interesting so as we move into this next powerlifting meet i'm hoping to 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 really up my numbers and uh I became a representative of a of a supplement brand, something I've wanted to do for for so long, and it's been cool to finally be an ambassador for a company that I actually really enjoy their products. So before we get too carried away, I hope everybody out there understands that the progress that we make is not only time consuming but very hard to understand and see that progress and it's not just by tomorrow that you're going to be able to turn around and be another person you may be able to change your thoughts for a day a week but you're breaking a conditioning and the reason i say this is because i have so many people within my own world that are looking to change, that are frustrated about change, that are shaming themselves for not being able to change. And 
the truth is, is that it's that battle of the white and black wolf inside of you. Which one are you going to feed? And when we have a catalyst for change, when we have an epiphany, when we decide we finally want to start getting our lives together, when we start wanting to be in shape, to eat better, to think stronger, to be more articulate, to be of better value to the world around us. Most of the time, we've been feeding that that darker version of us, the one that we, we despise so much. We've been feeding it for so long that it's turned into a glutton, and it's, it's overpowered uh, the white wolf. But it's our ability to change that ratio that really gets us to move because if one wolf can take power over the other, it can always be switched. It just takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. And it takes a lot of courage. So whatever it is that you're trying to change, be courageous. Step forward. And don't be afraid of being afraid. Don't be afraid of what other people are thinking. Because for the most part, people really don't give a fuck. And that should be your freedom. People care a lot less than what you think they do. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode. This will be episode 66 with Vinny Brusco. So I kind of want to dig into this, this efficiency thing with men. Also because, you know, I, I think all of us have problems with it, you know. And and we go through all these we go through all these readings and we have all these role models of the guys that are efficient. I had, I personally attached to certain men out there indirectly because I didn't have the best father figure when when it was the best time, you know, sure. um, when I didn't have somebody to really influence me. But, but but I guess what do you think about this? Because it's been on my mind for a while. Like what it is that we need to really get our focus uh, in and, and compartmentalize those things in a, in a healthy way and understand what it is that makes our progress. Y- you know what I mean? It seems like a lot of guys right now are struggling with that, that action and that confidence and that don't give a fuck attitude that isn't meant to hurt anybody else, but, but means that I care about my self-care and my, and, and my goals first before I worry about expectations of others. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it totally does. And it's multifaceted, right? It's, it's yeah. just like just to go into so the, go back a little bit. It's so deep. And, you know, to go back, like with the dad thing and, and having two children of my own, I, I know that that balance of wanting to guide, but also wanting to steer, right? There's a difference there. Like I I realize that I need to be the bumpers on my kid's bowling lane, but I Mm -hmm. can't throw the ball down the lane for them. Like I need Mm -hmm. them to do it, but I need to kind of bumper them back and forth, but I can only bumper them back and forth within my own capacity. Right. So with your dad or with anybody, you know, I, I, I really try my best to get away from, judging people or or allowing people at their level to hinder my own growth or potential or expectation right Mm -hmm. because people are going to operate from the frequency where they are you want to use frequency you want to use vibration you want to use mindset but they are only capable of operating within their own capacity 
Right. Mm -hmm. So I look at my I use my children for an example. I can't expect my daughter to understand quantum physics. Right. I can't expect her to be have the emotional awareness that some adults don't even have. Right. Yeah, man. All I can do is attempt to instill that in her and show her at certain opportunities where an emotional like she she (laughs) she had this Barbie shoe that she was trying to stand up. This was maybe like a year and a half ago. And she was trying to stand it up and she was so frazzled by it. And she's like, I just want to stand it up. And I said, Emma, step back, take a deep breath, right? And I promise you that the Barbie shoe, now I had no idea. I was just going on a whim. I, like, I promise <laughs> you the Barbie shoe will stand up because the energy you're giving this Barbie shoe is out of whack, right? You're just, mm-hmm. you're too frazzled by it. Mm-hmm. So she stepped back, she took a deep breath and then she stood it up and it stood up. I was like, yes. Right. Damn. <laughs> the point was your relationship with this thing is just too rigid. You're 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 white knuckling the bat and you're trying to hit a home run. That's not how yeah. we accomplish things. Right. You're trying yeah. to grab life. Just cool down a little bit. So anytime she gets a little frazzled, I'm like Barbie shoe or like she had this situation with her school laptop. And I'm like, laptop. And it's just like these small reminders that mm. we need to recognize like our emotional or energetic state. I still need it as an adult. I tell my wife, like, listen, if I'm going off the rails with the kids, I need you to bring me back sometimes. If I'm not doing, if I'm not showing up to being the best father I could be, I need you to bring me back sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's and and it's our internal narrative that we need to subscribe to and not worry about all these detractors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like whether it be a parent, a friend, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this series by... Um, Joseph Rodriguez, and he was talking about the the ideal self and how we have this ideal self of who and what we are and how we want to show up in the world. And and we we embody that through our actions, right? We embody mm-hmm. that through things that we do, and we test that version of ourselves against the world. And when we get feedback that isn't propelling or or you know supporting that embodiment of our future self we now go back to the laboratory of our mind and we have a tendency to change that embodiment. Or we could say, okay, and we can learn and we could test it in different ways. So I think that when it comes to parenting in general or just relationships with others, whether it be your parents or, or friends or coworkers, it's so important to just stay true to your embodiment of that future version of yourself. And the only way you get to that embodiment or that future version of yourself is by internal harmonious conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I was thinking up a million things as you're going through that, but, <laughs> but no, no, no. Let's tackle this though, because I think most men are being and most people. I just, I just like to direct this towards men because it's, sure. I, I have more of that personal experience. I have that relatability. Sure. Um, but it seems like most men are so ran by a couple different things and a couple different things that they may not understand as well as they could in order to direct themselves in the, on the path that they want to go. You know, it's, it seems like we're so built by, and, and this goes for all people in my opinion is we're, we're built on these layers and layers and layers of expectations from the world and from other people, from society, from our culture, from our religion, like all this stuff, like all this expectation. And because the, the real version of ourselves is so deep, 
we don't understand or we can't see it almost, you know, and it's almost relatable to that inner child situation thing. So I think a lot of men are ran by this, this, these external expectations of, um, that, that is being abrasive with like our natural, our natural state, like our natural state is like, we want to be valuable. We want to be efficient. We want to be progressive. We want to have really good direction. We want to have focus. And at the same time, they're, they're muddied up by the expectations of the world because things like the American dream are, are in the way. Like it's, it's a superficial version that's being confused with our instinctive way of being. Does that kind of make sense? Like yeah. we're confusing one with the other. And so it seems like we're, we're so led by the world's expectations and we're also so traumatically uh, affected by things that we may have not gotten when we were kids, you know, certain childhood traumas, certain suppressions, certain um, also expectations, you know, back then. And I think that's where so many men are having such a hard time in being strong, passionate, and compassionate and empathetic and directive human beings. You know, I see so many guys that are ran by the world instead of running their direction that, that is purposeful to them. You know, there, there's so much authenticity missing, it seems like. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, we're using men as the, as the uh, example here, but I think that's, uh, that's, that's people in general. I think yeah. overall, we all deal with the loss of our essence at some point. I see it with yeah. my daughter, not to, yeah. you know, I use a lot of my, like my children really are this, uh, like I get, you know, goosebumps just talking about, it, but they're this really weird revisitation of childhood for me. Yeah, You know, like, like I love, I really like, and I've shifted my coaching more towards dads because it's the one oh, thing yeah. I okay. will say I'm fucking great at. Like I'm a great fucking dad. Like I yeah. don't think I'm great at anything else. Being a dad, I will own that shit because um, I love it. You know, I love being a dad. And I really, I look, I look at the world all over again through, ch- you know, child's eyes in a different lens. And I see it with my daughter more so now that she's in school and there's, and now we're seeing, you know, culture coming into play, me coming into play, my wife coming into play and her, you know, the words she chooses to use, the things she's interested in, the way she'll say like, oh, well, this kid has that, like her essence is really being removed from her, right? Yeah. And it's so important to, for me as a father and for my wife as as a mother to keep her intact in her essence or at least keep Mm -hmm. that relationship with her essence because you don't lose that to your point. You don't lose who you are. You just bury it under a bunch of shit, you know, whether it be emotional shit, physical shit, tangible shit, whatever it is, you just bury all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is there's an awareness that kind of starts to make itself known at different phases of your life. And I think that's whether you want to call it your child self, whatever it is, I think that's your essence trying to come back through. And what happens is we, 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 we start to replace, you know, the, the, the reward system and the dopamine in our minds and we, we outsource it to these other things, whether it be cars or houses or food mm-hmm. or clothing, yeah, 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 tangible things. We outsource it to these, these tangible things and, and they start to swap with our own intrinsic happiness. So then we start to realize and say, oh, well, this, if I get this car, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. If I get this bank account, I'll be happy. And what, you know, the frame, the mindset is 
that happiness is this end goal. It's this finish line that you're going to cross. You're going to go, yay, I did it. And someone's going to put a fucking uh, a medal around your neck and give you a bouquet of flowers. Mm-hmm. And you could stand there and go, I'm happy now. But it's not that. Happiness is not a finish line. It's a current state of being. Mm-hmm. It's an essence. It's an energy. And wherever you could find that happiness, I think it's important to follow that, right? Follow mm-hmm. that happiness. Follow your joy. We, whatever, whatever kind of comes through, right? Follow that rather than the tangible expressions of that. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with nice shit. I love shit, right? I used to be a whore. I mean, I'm a pack rat hoarder, right? Or at least <laughs> I used to be, right? But I've also changed my relationship with things. You know, yeah. I've, I've consciously changed my relationship with things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's a hard shift to make. But I think ultimately it's a healthier shift to make. Yeah. No, no I, there, there's something... I've always had a struggle explaining this outwardly, you, you know, towards other people. And I think the difficulty is because people have such a love of, of things. And, and I agree. It, it, it's not saying that you can't have them, but it's like this idea that if that is, is showing your success and maybe, you know, maybe you do, start to earn all this money and, and, and do all these things and like be able to take all these vacations and you have whatever, uh, image image you want. Right. But you can always be in the same state of mind that is never actually satisfied because you haven't done certain internal work. You haven't understood where your emotional state is or, you know, understanding presence or understanding what you're saying, like the mindset of enjoying what's there and, you know, enjoying things for, for what they are. I, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to separate external things from internal acceptance almost, you know, of of saying, well, you know, you should be a monk or you should be able to be homeless and be happy. (laughs) This is not exactly what I'm going for. Um, I think, I get it. it. Well, I think, you know, for, for my, for my personal journey, I had to get rid of a lot of stuff to prove to myself that I didn't need them. Because even when I had all the things, I had almost everything that I wanted. The only thing that I was missing was like the woman in my life. And then I had her. And then I realized that through her, there came a lot of truth that I had that I couldn't hide from anymore because she was getting to know me. And there was no way that I was going to get out of that. Like I had certain insecurities. I had certain, uh, you know, mindset issues. I had certain internal efficiencies that or lack of efficiencies that weren't um i couldn't bury anymore you know so i get got rid of all my things to try to change my direction and try to change my attachment to certain things and what i realized was there's a lot of internal work that i still had to do because even then even you know being out of less debt even having less financial stress it didn't make things any better like it can be the same on both sides you can have nothing and be miserable and you can have everything and be miserable or vice versa. You can have everything and be stoked and you can have nothing and be stoked about life, you know, whatever. It's that internal mindset of, of understanding like what you're after is, is important and you have the focus and that you have the drive and like you, you, you love the people that you're around and the work that you do. And I think I have a hard time dialing down how to express that, not just for other people, but also for myself. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, I how do you think, tackle I, that? I think a big part of it is the internal conversation that you're having with yourself. What do you, mm-hmm. what are what are the things that you're saying yourself and reminding yourself and reiterating to yourself on a on a on a micro 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 level, right? Like, yes, you could have an overall mindset that's healthy, but you know, if if the smaller blades of grass in your yard are corrupt it's going to start to bleed into the other parts i don't know why i use blades of grass i don't know why i think because the <laughs> i don't other like day, it actually <laughs> well, the other day i'm going to tell you why the other day i worked out and then i was laying on the grass and i was looking at what i wasn't stoned at all but i was looking at one blade of grass <laughs> and i really stopped and i was like this is one blade of grass mm-hmm. one this is one blade of grass right on my small little front patch of grass right and think how many blades of grass there are in the world, right? Yeah. And like, and then I had like the the connection of like, well, you're just one blade of grass, right? Yeah. And this huge, fucking think how much grass is in the world, right? Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. And I was like, this is one. And then I looked around, I was like, there's so much fucking grass here, and there's a small little patch of lawn in my front yard. Yeah. This is nothing. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. So you know, I think the the internal dialogue that we have with ourselves. On the micro level, what you're saying day in and day out, moment after moment, mm-hmm. really is the game changer, right? It's really where you start to shift your approach to the 3D reality that you interface with. Mm-hmm. And I, I could think back of when I early in quarantine, when I was doing yoga, and I use this example a lot, but I was doing the early morning yoga in my living room at four in the morning, everyone's asleep. I'm watching this video and this girl is like a perfect L. Like she's just like, okay, now raise your legs. And she's just like L and I'm like, my knees are bent. My hamstrings are shaking. And the internal voice comes on. It's like, what are you doing? You're embarrassing yourself. Mm-hmm. And I literally stopped. And I, in that moment, I was like, first off, who's the, who am I embarrassing myself in front of? Mm-hmm. Right. There's nobody up. Right. And Who's the you that's in be- like that's calling me out on this embarrassment, right? You're embarrassing yourself. That means I'm not that voice, right? That voice is something else that's dictating uh, a self-image in this moment. Mm-hmm. Now, I had a choice there where I could have turned it off, went back to sleep and said, oh, man, that was uncomfortable. Or I stopped myself and addressed it. I was like, what the fuck? Like, in front of who? Who's being embarrassed, mm-hmm. right? And now, when I'm working out, that voice has been shifted and is now like my motivator when I'm like, Oh God, I don't want to do, I'm like, no motherfucker. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's mm-hmm. go. Should I've changed the relation? The voice is the same, right? It's uh, it, maybe it's sociopathic. I have no idea. Maybe I'm bipolar. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But the point is the voice is the same. I've just changed my relationship with it. Right. Mm-hmm. I've changed the narrative of it where it's there to keep me small where now it's there to help me grow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people get tripped up because that awareness comes, right? And we go through the hierarchy of needs. Once our basic needs are met, it's to your point earlier, like maybe the basic needs of people are just, you know, basic food, nothing crazy, nothing elaborate. And then we get to, you know, up the, up the hierarchy of needs of self-actualization. And then what happens is in, rather than breaking the threshold of that and going into the conscientious hierarchy of needs, Right. And now becoming consciously competent and going through those, we just stay within that bubble and we try to have better cars, bigger houses, better Mm -hmm. food. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's the relationship we have with those things and what we're telling ourselves in our mind and that, that conversation we're having that, you know, changes the relationship. Mm -hmm. Real quick, 
in, in summarized version, I guess. Or there's no such thing as real quick in my world. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. Um, can you explain hierarchy of needs to people that may not understand what that means? Sure. So it's the 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 idea of our basic needs in life. So it's like food, shelter, relationships, and then there's self-actualization. It's a pyramid. I don't remember which one's in which one. It, they're all pretty. I think the first one's like uh, food and then shelter, whatever it is. Um, and at the top of it is self-actualization, right, mm -hmm. which is like the recognition of who and what you are for the most part. And now there's also the hierarchy of needs when it comes to conscientious, which is going from you know, uh, un unconsciously incompetent to consciously competent, right? And and it's the growth of that. And it's becoming aware, which is almost pretty much like, you know, in, in Jungian psychology, it's bringing the subconscious conscious, right? It's yep. bringing the unknown to the known. Mm -hmm. But what I think what happens intrinsically is that we get to self-actualization, which is the top of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And in, rather than going and crossing the threshold into the unknown, right? Because- it's very uncomfortable. We go back down to the other levels and we try to fatten them up to make ourselves happier. We try to get better food, like I said, and better cars. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Mm -hmm. But it's, again, the relationship we have with those things. And are you coming into those things with a conscientious approach of them? Or are you just, just trying to fill up and get fatter and, and become mm -hmm. gluttonous? Yeah, so, so you're... That that makes a lot of sense. So even though you're still having a relationship with those things, it's that type of relationship that you're you're having. So that foundation is actually less dense almost. I guess this is the way I would kind of visualize it in it, which would make it less heavy, which would make it less uh, efficient, would make it less foundationally strong almost. So, so if you have all of your food, you know, you kind of go over the top and you know, it's not, food that maybe is the best for you or you have a relationship and you use sex to kind of cover up the, the other issues that you know it's it's more about sex and image and everything rather than it is about uh understanding compassion and empathy you know or you know in your work it's more about uh how much money you're making or how efficient things are getting done rather than the importance of the relationship with the people that are inside of that company that kind of thing does that kind of sound yeah. like what yeah. you're saying yeah ish? yeah so you yeah. get too carried away with the dopamine dumps and the perfection of things and the passion of things rather than understanding the, the whole of being in that and being mindful of what those things actually do for you, maybe? Well, I think A, for you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, B, with you, right? Mm -hmm. And and it kind of goes back to what you were saying in regards to becoming a monk, Right. Mm -hmm. Like the idea of that, I think kind of and, and kind of getting rid of your shit. Right. Like a while ago, I kind of switched over to a pretty minimalistic wardrobe, which for me is still a lot of shit. Right. It's still <laughs> a lot of stuff. Right. But I was like, oh, this is pretty minimalistic for me. And yeah. the moment I started doing that, people are like, are you OK? Is everything? And I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate mm -hmm. people reaching out and making sure I'm OK. Yeah. But it's amazing once you start to change how you show up in the world and how you you want to show up in the world. It's amazing to me how people, it starts to question their own narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Conversations you have with people change and it makes them have to, you know, it doesn't make them have to, but it puts their back against the wall, puts them in a corner where like, oh, how do I, how do I, I remember like, how do I have a conversation around this shit now, right? Mm -hmm. 
because once you show up and you start to show up differently and more authentically, it may, it can make people very uncomfortable. I remember early, like a while ago, when I, was, I was talking about some of my experiences in sensory deprivation tank and I was sitting around my closest friends and like two out of three of them were like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah. Like they didn't yeah. say that outwardly, but the energetic exchange was like, okay, dude. It. Yeah. Like, okay, dude. Like, all right, we lost Vin. See you later. You know? And the other one was like, Oh, cool. Like he didn't know how to handle either. And I love these guys. And they're still, they're like brothers to me. And I, I just understand that they're, they are. And some of them we've changed the dynamic of our conversations since then. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't show up in that way, authentically, right. Maybe the, the conversations would have stayed water, water cooler. It would have mm-hmm. been about the game or it would have been about the bullshit that I really don't care about anymore. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it is about just the, the relationship with these things. And, and the idea, going back to the monk part, the idea that you could lose it all, but it doesn't change who you actually are. Mm-hmm. That's that's the key thing, I think, with all of that. Right. Removing it, your identity from the external. Yeah. Moving the identity from the external, but also realizing the external is a potential expression of the internal. Right. It becomes yeah, yeah, yeah. an energetic chi of who and what you want to be, the embodiment yeah. of your ideal self. So yeah. when you could when you, you can lean into that embodiment with less resistance, you're going to lean into it more and more and more. But when mm-hmm. you come against resistance, there's an opportunity there to see it as a test or a challenge. Right. To break through and level up your game. So. The thing that I. Am wanting for men to do you know i was talking about that thing of men's kind of living you once you kind of start to feel people and you understand energies you see it all over the place yeah 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 yeah. you see it (laughs) and it's not it's not exactly a you know a negative judgment of people it's a realization of you know a psychological mind fuck by society sure almost you know and you see so many people doing the same thing like being this they may be in different jobs but their energy is all the same you know and i'm not saying i'm void of that it you know like i was saying before i think we have layers and layers of expectations of of what the world and the the work is removing those layers the work is removing what you think you're supposed to be for other people because deep down regardless of you know, your friends and family and, and, and all your loved ones and like your business relationships, your personal relationships, whatever. Nobody gives a fuck enough to change it for you. You know, to, to, to make the change to your authenticity for you. They may, you have to be able to do the work to create your own light and they're going to support you in that. But I don't think anybody can give a fuck enough for, to change it for you you know, reach out a hand and like give you the opportunity to, to have some sort of uh, line, you know what I mean? But the line doesn't move without the work that you do. Maybe. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, th- I think, I think most people really don't give a fuck at the end yeah. of the day. Right. Yeah. You have so why are we your- so worried about it? Uh, because of our own fears. Mm-hmm. Fear, you know, judgment, fear, um, self-acceptance, right? We're, we're, we're tribal mm-hmm. people, so we don't want to be ostracized from the tribe, you mm-hmm. know? Um, that's why when you find people who have a similar mindset, you're like, oh, okay, like, here are my people. I could, mm-hmm. I could rap with you. 
Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, most people don't really give a shit. People are really operating in their own world and good for them. Like that's how, that is how you grow. It's to your point, right? Like, they, yeah. like that's yeah. how you do grow and develop and change and, and, and become whatever you want to call it, enlightened, whatever the word you want to be is, is by mm-hmm. going inward, right? And showing up for yourself and doing these things for yourself. And that's how you could ultimately serve people around you, whether it be family, friends, coworkers, employees, employers, whatever it is, you can't, you know, it's the old, you can't pour from an empty cup. And that's where a lot of people get tripped up, whether it be men, women, whatever it is, is that we think that we need to give all the time, right? Give, Mm -hmm. give, give, which is true. We should be giving, but we cannot give unless, you know, there are certain things in my life that I know I need to do, right? Whether it be working out, jujitsu, podcasting, family time, whatever it is. Like there are certain things that I need to do for myself in order to function and operate in the best way that I can, Mm -hmm. right? And the more of those things I could check off on a daily basis, the better I feel at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. right? And it becomes a checklist of life. Like, all right, well, this is what I want. This is what my best day is. And if I could sprinkle in a version of that some way, shape, or form, awesome. Yeah. If I can get two or three things out of the list of 10, great. If I can get 10 out of 10, amazing. Yeah. But I need to ultimately sit with myself and feel what is the best, what feels the best. Mm -hmm. And then I need to extrapolate that and try to implement that on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. moment to moment even. Do you think... Because my assumption, which it's not fair to assume, especially because everybody's so different, but just go in theory with this, is that there's a lot of there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of dissatisfaction in a lot of men's minds. And ultimately, I think men, number one, don't know how. it's it is very difficult, especially if we've been told to only feel certain things. You know, if we only ever feel anger, if we only ever feel happiness and, and we've been told to just use our skills to be, to survive in life, right? We get uncomfortable with, with feeling anything, even if it's just meant for ourselves, right? So I see a lot of frustration, dissatisfaction, misery, and depression of men, maybe not major depression, you know, not maybe not clinical depression, but guys that are kind well, of sitting I mean, this listen, every day, right? Suicide is higher in men than any, you know. Oh, totally. Higher, yeah. Right. So, I mean, there is a clinical depression there that's not being addressed. So do you think, which I already know how I feel about this, sure. do you think that there is such an important action in, in being mindful of what you're doing, like seriously being present with just yourself and asking yourself what it is the fuck that you want and repeating repeating that question. That's how I feel. It's like repeating the question over and over until you actually have some sort of epiphany or you have some more understanding of, of who you are. Because I think it's so easy to question, like, why am I miserable? Oh, because I don't work hard enough. Well, ask yourself that question every fucking day and try to get to that point of just being present and see how much that changes. How much will that adapt? How much will you actually start answering the inner child in yourself? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think it goes even deeper than that. Okay. Um, why wouldn't I? Uh, <laughs> this is this is how we know Vinny. <laughs> uh, I think it goes deeper than that. I think you don't even ask yourself any questions. Okay. I think you sit in the silence. I mean, that has been 
you know, I, I talk a lot about the sensory deprivation tank um, because it has been a tool for me outside of daily meditation. And when I don't meditate, I know, you know, it, it, it put, like I'll, I'll get to a space and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I haven't meditated in three days, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I truly believe, and there's different expressions of, of getting yourself into a flow state, whether it be lifting, jujitsu, rock mm-hmm. climbing, surfing. I think those are all really important, you know, uh, embodiments of the ultimate version of you, right? Embodiments mm-hmm. of the ideal self are these, these, uh, these windows, these windows through flow state. I think they're super important and it's so important to, you know, try different things to achieve flow state. Mm-hmm. You know, I've experienced it surfing and I don't surf. I surfed once, but I experienced a flow state, a mindful mm-hmm. aspect of life, a window into uh, peace or harmony within myself through surfing. I've experienced it through jujitsu and yoga and eating and playing with my children's and being with my wife and sitting around the fire. Like there's all these different expressions of that, but I don't think uh, ultimately I think it boils down to not even asking yourself the question, but sitting in the silence, because what happens is when you're sitting in the silence and, and this is like sensory deprivation tank stuff, but, and it, it kind of translates over to, to meditating as well. Mm-hmm. When you're sitting in the silence, right. For the first 30, 40 minutes of it, right. You're just brain is all over the place. Yeah. And that's when people are like, well, I can't meditate. I'm like, well, you know, my mind races. That's the point, right? It's not to quiet the mind, right? It's to get control of the mind, right? Mm-hmm. It's to it's to see the mind and see the thoughts that you're having, not as the self, but as the observer of those thoughts, mm-hmm. right? And it takes time, especially in, in like, if you put yourself in a vacuum of a sensory deprivation tank, it takes at least 20, 30, 40 minutes for all that dust to settle, right? Yeah. And yeah. then to allow the self to come through and speak, right? And however you want to frame that or feel that, whatever it is, it doesn't make mm-hmm. a difference. But it takes time for that dust of the mind to settle and for everything else to come up. And then in that coming up, that's where the real radical, honest conversations where you could say to yourself, what do I want? But I think intrinsically, we all do already know what we want. It's like we were talking about earlier, the societal norms and expectations that prevent mm-hmm. us from stepping into that space wholeheartedly mm-hmm. and lean into that embodiment of who you want to be wholeheartedly. So I think sitting in the silence for me, it, it's not even a question of it's, it's, it's a matter of what comes up and how do you handle and interface with what comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it seems like and tell me if I'm wrong here. I, I know everybody kind of works at a different pace, speed, uh, mindset. But for me, the initial thing was the more I slowed down to pay attention, the more understood I knew of, of what I needed to do to when I did take action. You know, I think that we get so carried away with, with the action itself that I mean, you can take action any direction that you want. So if you sure. if you're taking action on on the expectations of society, you're only pulling yourself farther away from from what you need, right? So so I guess I I've seen a lot of successful people become successful because they actually slowed down rather than speed it up enough to understand 
yourself more, you know, to understand your, your genuine internal link, like your soul and, and your heart's passion, like what it is that, that you need. Um, d- does that, does that connect with you at all? Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think there are always moments to be present, always moments yeah. to be mindful. There's a great book yeah. now is the way by Corey Allen. And he, and, and he talks about how there's always opportunity, right? Whether it be brushing your teeth or taking a shower or mm-hmm. having a cup of coffee in the morning, there are always moments to be present. And even in automatic things, automatic things. And they're probably best in automatic things because you're autonomous, right? Like Mm -hmm. you could just go into autopilot. That's why like when you're driving, sometimes you're driving to a place, you know where to go. You kind of just like, like your body just knows what it's doing. Um, And it's, it's in those moments where you can just be still right. Having the cup of coffee, brushing your teeth, taking a shower. But I think what happens with, with, so many myself, I mean, all the time, we need to be distracted, right? Because yeah. in that in that presence, in that mindfulness, there's there's discomfort, you know. So we put on music or we put on TV in the background, or because it does give the space a different energy. Like my daughter will go in our basement and she'll go play with her toys, and she'll be like, "Dad, can you put on the TV?" I'm like, "But you're playing with your toys." She's like, I know, but I just I want to have the tea because she's scared. Obviously, she's a little afraid of the basement, mm-hmm. but she's like it changes the energy. It makes it feel like there's something else going on. So yeah. if we could distract ourselves, right. From our own thoughts or our own fears for her, she's six. So she, I don't, you know, she's not having the internal dialogue of like, what do I want out of life? But yeah. she is afraid of something like yeah. an energy, right? So she needs this distraction where as, as functioning air quotes are functioning adults, we need to create a distraction from that silence because the, in that silence arises those questions or that conversation and creates that discomfort. So you really have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And if you could find uh, tangible expressions of that in, in the reality, right? Whether it be mm-hmm. cold showers, sauna treatment, um, any type of, of physical endeavor. For me, it's it's jujitsu. For you, I know it's competition weightlifting. Mm-hmm. If you could find difficulty in in sitting in things that suck, then you're able to create that mindset and not detract from the fear. And then you are able to sit in silence. And you are able to be more present when you're washing the dishes because mm-hmm. that conversation you're going to have with yourself isn't necessarily scary. It's something that might just give you information that now changes the way you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one of the, he's become one of my favorite authors and I, I want to read all of his books. Uh, his name's Robert Augustus Masters. His first book that I read was called To Be a Man. And it, it made such a, a clear connection with the internal selves, like our internal self, like what we needed to pay attention to. And it was, it was mind blowing for me because I understood that I was not facing myself, that I was not allowing myself to face the things that are an issue for me. For example, my, my anger, I have, I have a very unhealthy connection to my anger, but not like people would think I, I don't have outbursts. I'm not out of control. I'm suppressed. 
Mm. I, I don't allow anger to be a thing. And I've learned to understand, and this is one of the biggest things about his book or in that particular book was that anger is a healthy thing. And I had that mind in my, it's just like, oh, there's somebody smarter than me that's been in this for a while. I believe them, you know? And right. yeah, <laughs> it's like my friends could tell me things that will be like, nah, that doesn't sound right. And then somebody writes it in a book like, yeah, okay, that, yeah, totally. Well, it um, it, it, when, the, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? Like it takes, yeah. you, have, you have to be open to it, right? Like you yeah. can hear the same thing from 85 different people, yeah. but unless you're actually feeling it and receiving it, it doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Totally, man. And I, I honestly think that's part of our problem is like we're we're not allowing ourselves to receive anything, maybe. I don't know. But he was talking about anger being a healthy thing. And I was like, oh, my God, it's OK. It's like I always made myself. I was like, oh, I'm better than other men because I don't get angry because I don't blow up on my partner because I'm not aggressive because I I'm not verbally or physically abusive. I'm fucking better. And then I realized I was like, oh, shit. I am lost because I won't allow myself to stand up for myself. You know, I'm, I continue to be intimidated by all these people. I meaning that I also allow them to give me the expectations that I need to appeal to them. And I act out on whatever is accommodating to what they need from me to be comfortable. What, what how can I act to be, to make them feel comfortable? And I was like, Oh, fuck all this suppressed anger is a big issue. Like this is a fucking problem. And it was weird because it was so opposite of what I thought the problem was. And being coming into the, the truth that all of our, all of our emotions are healthy. Even anger is healthy. And he said, it's how you do it. It's anger without aggression and, and pointing fingers and intimidation and, and the destruction of others. If you can do it without that, anger can be healthy because people can understand you. You can focus more. You can direct more. Um, and that's something that I figured out that I was missing, you know? So the, the problems that a lot of men can have can be so diverse. And that's why I think it's so important for us to understand our inner child, which is something he talks about repeatedly. Our inner child, our self-critic, our, our internal self-saboteur, you know, all this fucking crazy stuff man yeah i think i agree i mean any emotion you're feeling or experiencing it's if if it's all just data right yeah. when you when you yeah. break it down to the to the micro level it's just information right how you yeah. interact with that information the or mm -hmm. what it actually brings out in you is based on the person right so like mm -hmm. the feeling of anger right and and our and also our emotional attachment to it, right? Like mm -hmm. the the calcified default mode that we go to when this thing happens, mm -hmm. right? And whether we suppress anger or we lash out, or there's it, I'm sure it it varies for people. Obviously, right? It, it's it's a broad range. Same thing with anxiety. Same thing with depression. Same thing. We all experience all of these emotions. It's 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 part of the 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 human experience. Mm -hmm. But now, how do we interact with that? Because all that is is stimulus, response, or reaction. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot that happens in between those things. But when you could have something happen and now you could shift your mindset and almost freeze it and slow it down 
until you respond or react, right? Because the reaction is the instantaneous thing. The mm -hmm. response is the, the, the mindful approach to that. Mm -hmm. It's just data. It's just a thing. Like it's our relationship mm -hmm. with that, that puts us in a spiral or puts us in a, 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 a rage or whatever it is. It's mm -hmm. the relationship we have with that. And now the, the, the management and the over overview of our emotions, right? I, I refer to it as like matrixing your emotions, right? You have something happen to you and you have the ability to actually slow down and see it pass you and go, okay, what is this? Yeah. Oh, I'm feeling angry. Now you could stop it. I'm feeling angry or you can dive deeper, right? And reverse engineer to like, well, why am I feeling angry? Well, I'm feeling it because this person did this fucking thing. Well, why did that person do that fucking thing? Well, it's multifaceted. One, they're their own person. B, you did this. C, that. So I like to reverse engineer what I'm feeling in a moment, right? And say, okay, well, let's go back from this person's perspective. And that's so huge, right, for me is recognizing that it's there. We're just another fucking person going through their own shit and they're bringing mm -hmm. to the table their own shit. So yeah, it, it is about, you know, that awareness of it. And, and it's just data. It's just information and how you actually interface and interact with that information is on you, the individual, not the person or the, the scenario. Mm -hmm. So what would, What's tough is that it's, I mean, it's similar, but it, I think our experiences make it different, or at least the, the point in which we, att 